All right, all right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Do We Love It podcast. We have a special episode today. Today we're re- recording on a Saturday. Uh, we are here with the world-famous Diplomat 2.0, uh, former diplomat of the United States. This is an exclusive interview. Uh, a little nervous, uh, but yeah, give, it, give us an introduction. Good to be with you. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying the studios and the uh, the drinks and the, the women and everything else that you guys have plied me with to come here and uh, the check I hope will clear uh, in my bank account. Uh, I don't know if I should wait for the interview for for the check to clear before I speak or probably, probably the first of the month. First of the month. Okay. So okay. Well, so. well, as an entertainer, you know, we'll do it industry standard. As soon as your set is over, we cut you a check on the spot. So, All right. You know, okay. We'll, good. We'll uh, we'll be good with that. Um, so just to give the people a little background on yourself, you know, diplomat for for many years, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. traveled all over the world, all right? The world, yeah. Um, my first question I had when I found all this out is, what is like one of the oddest greetings you've encountered, or like cultural norm? Like I know, like you know, Asians they take their shoes off, you know. Africans, they probably yeah, click their tongues yeah, or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What, what's something you've experienced that's... Well, probably the, the, the thing that sticks most to my mind was my time in Guatemala when we would go to parties, and the first thing you did was check in your gun at the door. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was kind of an unusual that Sounds like greeting. a great party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we used to give parties, too, and we would invite people over, and, of course, we would reciprocate. They had to check their guns in, and we had a gun room. And then at the end of the evening, when everybody was quite liquored up and happy and they were going home, we inevitably would find a gun or two left over. And then <laughs> like a coat. To, yeah, we'd have to be calling around the next day and say, hey, is the Browning 9 yours or is the Colt 45 yours? And, and, uh, so that was probably the strangest uh, custom I, I encountered. Um, that and then when I was in Pakistan, we ate a lot of very weird stuff when I was on the road. Was it like the type of situation where if it was presented to you, you basically had to eat yes, it? Yes, yes. And, and they had a lot of guns. So you, <laughs> you generally ate it. Uh, and it, it could be anything. It could be goat. It could be camel. It could be, could be anything. Uh, but generally the, the people were very nice and they were there for you to help them kill Soviets, which was, of course, a very noble objective as far as I was concerned. So what's a little camel? I hear that. What what is little camel? That is, that is quite a takeaway we have today. <laughs> All right, so we we have the the election coming up. I I don't want to get like like too political with everything, but something got posted in my office recently that said California has a law where on voting day they have to let you vote at work. They can't tell you you can't vote. Are you familiar with that? No, but I've just recently become a resident of California. I'm not aware of that. Yeah, so essentially yeah. if you know, yeah. if you have to work on Tuesday and or voting day, your boss can't say no, you can't go vote. Yeah. It is yeah. your legal right. What do you how do you feel about that? I, I, I think that's a good good thing. I look, I'm against, for example, what they have in Australia, which is mandatory voting. I don't think 
that voting should be required. I think oh, you have to vote. You have to really. Vote. Yeah, you have to go vote, and I, I don't think that's right. I think can, is what it like? Are there like will you go to jail if you don't? Yes, or? yes. There's, you can you can be uh, charged with a crime for not voting. Now you can go and vote abstention or turn in a blank ballot, but you have to show up. And I don't like that. I don't think people should be forced to vote. I think not voting is a political act. And there are some people who wish to express their views that way, and I, and I think that that's fine. Um, I, I think it's good that uh, employers have to let their employees vote because we are one of the few countries on earth where voting is done on a work day. Most countries, voting is on Sunday. Really? Yeah. So we're one of the few where we have voting on, on days that people work and on days in November where in much of the country people are up to their asses in snow. Uh, so it's voting in the United States is not easy. So I have no problem with uh, employers being required to uh, let people out to vote. As long as people are not forced to vote, I have no problem. What, what do you think the, the best day in a calendar year would be to have Election Day on then? Well, if you want to maximize participation, which is something we can discuss if that's what you really want to do, then probably a Sunday or a Saturday, the day that you would uh, have uh, voting. And in the Northern Hemisphere, probably a Sunday or a Saturday in June or July, not in uh, November. I, I would even say late April because then you haven't hit summer because typically people are traveling yeah, in right. summer. I mean, that... that but I, I, that's a great point with the uh, the snow and everything, yeah, especially yeah. for, you know, people who are elderly or, you know, don't have access to a car. Voting in the United States is difficult. I mean, first of all, we have very complex um, reg registration uh, requirements uh, that not everybody knows. Uh, you have to register ahead of time. In many countries, you can register on the spot, but then, of course, they have national IDs which we don't have. So voting in the United States is, is a little different than it is in most of the world. Interesting. Um, now, to, to give you a little background on my political beliefs, they're not too strong or too well-educated, but I, I do associate myself uh, as a libertarian. I'm a huge, huge Gary Johnson supporter. Mm -hmm. um, now, my question to you is... Uh, what? How do you feel about uh, third parties voting in the election? Do you think it it's uh, it takes away from the two parties? Do you think there's room in the future for a third party? Just kind of where are you at with that? Well, I, I consider myself uh, a libertarian with an asterisk. Um, uh, the asterisk comes in because I think we need to have the biggest, baddest, meanest military establishment in the world, and be ready and willing to use it. But other than that, I'm pretty much on board with most libertarian things. I believe, for example, in the legalization of drugs. I don't think the government should be involved in things like marriage. Um, I want minimal taxes. So I'm, I'm basically on board with much of the libertarian um, agenda. I part with them on, on things like immigration because... I don't believe that we can have a free flow across the borders because of our very extensive uh, public welfare system. If you didn't have that, I would have no problem with just letting people come in and you hire whomever you want. But it doesn't work that way because we have this vast liberal welfare system. So people come in and what they really come in for is welfare. And they become a strain on the on the public purse. So that's where I part company with them. Now, in terms of a libertarian party, uh, the history of third parties in the United States is not is not a glorious one. 
And in general, what they do is they become rumps of another party. For example, the most famous one was uh, Teddy Roosevelt when he created the Progressive Party when he decided to run for president again after he was disappointed by what his successor had done. And what it did was it split the Republican Party and it allowed Woodrow Wilson to get elected. Uh, more recently, we've had some um, third parties on, say, the Reagan uh, Carter election in 1980, where Anderson ran a third party. And some people say, and I'd have to look at, at it state by state, that he may have cost Carter the election uh, in a couple of states. Uh, so third parties generally do not work because of the way our system is set up, which is called first past the post. So the person who gets a plurality of votes wins. So you could have eight parties, but the one person who got, say, 12% would probably win. So right. our system is set up that way, so it discourages um, Partial third, third parties. Now, third parties have worked. Uh, the Republican Party was originally a third party. It split off from the Whig Party in 1854, and eventually um, the Whig Party disappeared. So it can happen. Um, it takes time. It takes time, and, and the Democrats split in 1948 when... Um, Strom Thurmond ran the Dixiecrat Party and took several southern states. Despite that, Truman still won. Uh, George Wallace, of course, also created a third party, which had some success. But again, it was a one-shot deal and disappeared. Uh, Ross Perot did it. Ross Perot probably got uh, Bill Clinton elected with his third party by splitting much of the, uh, the Republican vote. So it can have an, an impact it's legally very difficult to get a third-party challenge mounted, and I don't think we're going to see one this time around, either by Bernie Sanders or by someone in the Republican Party who's opposed to uh, what looks like to be inevitable Trump's uh, assumption of the candidature of the GOP. Gotcha. Now, getting back to a, a little bit more of your uh, your time living abroad. Actually, when I was prepping for the interview, um, I was doing my laundry. Mm. And at and while I'm doing my laundry, I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, this would really suck if I had to just like scrub these clothes in my sink, you know, yeah. as opposed yeah. to just run the washing machine. Then I was like, living abroad, there must be like some things where us Americans take for granted that, you know, you, you don't realize you have until it's gone. Is there anything uh, that, you know, you're you missed while away that we have here where you're just like, wow, like I'm not going to take that for granted or that we do take yeah, for granted. Yeah, guacamole. Oh, yeah. I think American guacamole just beats all other guacamole. Well, I, I, I couldn't I, even say Californians take it for granted because California guacamole. East Coasters don't even know what they're missing. Yeah, guacamole. I, I missed guacamole. Even when I was in Latin America, there was nothing quite like American guacamole. I missed that. And little things like Freedom. You know, <laughs> I'd say, you know, guacamole and freedom were probably the two things I, I missed the most when I was, when I was overseas. Um, I thought you were going to say water. Water? No, well, drinking, water the, drinking the water. water. <laughs> drinking the water. Water was... Water. Water, water was, was one, too. But guacamole really sticks in my mind because I, I would just really want good guacamole. Now, in Guatemala, they had pretty good guacamole, but it still wasn't up to California standards. 
Now, with, with us, uh, we have uh, the, one of the diplomat's sons, uh, Daniel the Mountain. Now, Daniel, you were living abroad as a child as well. Um, now, obviously, you didn't like living without water. That had to be tough. Um, and I heard a story from your sister a while ago that your brother tried to purchase a water buffalo at one point. I actually, my dad would probably know more about it. I wasn't living in the house anymore, but I heard that he tried to purchase a water buffalo because he wanted to establish a transportation system, like yeah. a taxi system. <laughs> he did. He did. And he was 12, 14? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. this for a, a commercial venture or yes. personal? No, it was commercial venture. It, he, was, he it wanted, was an early form of Uber. Yeah, he was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, uh, Buffer? I don't even know. But it was a, it was a water buffalo. A water uh, was buffalo. it a buffalo? Water yeah, buffalo. Yeah, 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 it was a water and buffalo. To use as a taxi. Yeah, and he he had he had purchased the the. He was building the car the, the cart. carriage. Yeah, the, he had the axle and the wheels, and he was building the cart, and then he just needed the water buffalo. That's right. But he was a dollar short. Exactly. He was one he was literally exactly one dollar short. And from they, purchasing they couldn't the come buffalo. to the a deal on the sale of the water buffalo, so we got no water buffalo. And the idea would have been to use it as a commercial transportation. So my brother was shut down from his what could have been a multi-million dollar. It's, it's not unlike what buffalo. happened in Austin with Uber. Yeah, you know, how they chased Uber out of Austin. It was the same idea. That, uh, yeah, yeah, didn't want the water buffalo taxi yeah, the competition. That's, yeah, that's rough. All right. So, if you if you don't mind me asking, how how old are you roughly? Um, you can you can give I, a range if you want. No, no, I'm I'm 63 <laughs> rough years. Yeah. Oh, 63 rough years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, in your time on Earth, yes. What is the best invention that has occurred while you've been alive? That's like just like the best. The the best invention. Not even the most useful. Just your favorite. My favorite. It has to be the internet. I I just. Praise be to Al Gore. Yeah, praise be to Al Gore. But I, I remember first hearing about the Internet, and I did not understand at all what it was. I kept hearing these things about the information superhighway. I had no idea what that was. And then uh, I hooked up with something that I know is very trendy even today, AOL. And uh, I started discovering things like email. And I just thought that was the most You've amazing. You've got mail. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was the most amazing thing. I had ever seen. So I'd have to say the most amazing thing I've seen has been the the internet. Um, you know, if we're leaving out major other major developments like the Chia Pet and Chia uh, Pet was huge and the Pet Rock. You know, other than uh, leaving those aside, because those are in a category all by themselves. You have a full time Pet Rock now called Daniel. Daniel, yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and even a Chia Pet. You know, his hair grows. He's Smear the little seeds on his head and the hair grows. But I'd have to say it's the internet. Okay, nice. Uh, now to get a little bit more on the personal side of things. Uh, I, I know your wife hails from Spain. How, yeah. how did you guys meet? We met in Spain. Uh, my relatives are from Spain, and I used to go visit them. And uh, we went, I went on a blind date and uh, met her there. That was the first time I saw her. Long time ago, um, so we met on a on a. I used to tell people we met on a street corner, but in fact, it was it had been prearranged by my aunt. To uh, my aunt and her cousin arranged the whole thing, so uh, it was a blind date. Nice, old old school. I like it. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, I, from what I hear, you're not a huge, huge sports fan. No. But, no. but if you could pick one team, it could be any team in the world, to win a championship, who would you most want to see win? I, I would like to see Team USA win the World Football Cup, the Soccer Cup. Wow. That's what I, that, wow. I hope to that live long enough. That is a great answer. I hope to live long enough to see that happen. It's, it's um, otherwise known as the World Cup. The World Cup, yes. Wow. Shows how plugged yeah. in I am. But, but that that's like that's what that's I would straight like to up see. America right there. That's what I would like to see. Alrighty. Well I think I'm fresh out of questions here. Uh, I guess the last question I have for you is so before we wrap up, I should mention Di- the Diplomat 2.0, great blog. I suggest everybody check it out. I think if you Google Diplomat 2.0 you can find it. Yeah. What's the URL? It's uh, thediplomad.com. So go D-I-P-L-O-M-A-D.com. Um, some good takes on there. A lot of, a lot of uh, just it's some good stuff. Um, now, you, you're clearly a man of opinion. You have good yeah. takes. Is there like one argument or one stance you can recall in your life where it's just like the most heated, like digging the heels into the ground, like... This is like, what like gets you going? <laughs> I'd have to say it was when Ronald Reagan was running for president. I was uh, serving overseas and I was appalled by what I was seeing happen to the United States reputation and influence overseas and I was a staunch supporter of Ronald Reagan and that led me into all kinds of uh, discussions with my colleagues in the in the Foreign Service who tend to be much more liberal and much more Democrat-leaning than I am. So they were universally, almost universally, anti-Reagan. Uh, so I had a lot of uh, debates with them. And then, of course, it was party like it was 1999, the day that Reagan won. But uh, I was sort of dancing by myself because no one else was really dancing. But <laughs> that was probably the most intense. And then uh, followed closely by my strong uh, disgust with the current administration, the current Obama administration, which I think has just been completely disastrous for the United States and has wreaked damage that will take years to fix, if ever, if ever. So. Those would be the two, the two biggest, most intense moments of politics in my life. That's what we like to call getting wicked fired up. Getting wicked fired up, yeah. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you all for the listeners for tuning in. Thank you, Daniel, for setting this up. Uh, and give us some music. And my check. And the check and cut as we speak. USA! 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 USA!